0: Cause maybe,
1: cause maybe, maybe. oh, we're all off key, this is horrible, you're gonna be the
2: one that that saves me, and And after all, all, you're You're my wonder, (laughs) we both went to the the harmony, (laughs) wow. You're my wonder wall. (sighs) Ah. I think we... uh. Please, in the comments below, give us your own wonder wall of how you think this show should start because a lot of you apparently disagree with our amazing... Look at this. We deserve to be on Broadway.
1: What you don't know is that we tried to record that before. We forgot to hit record. So we're trying to sing it for
2: the second time. It sounded worse the second time, somehow. <laughs> somehow. Usually when you revise something, it sounds better the second time around. Anyway, you're listening to the Command Zone podcast. We like to call ourselves the greatest commander podcast on this earth. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong.
1: How's it? It's just Oh, like, uh, what, what, a,
2: what a train wreck. Yeah. Uh, trust me, the first version sounded great. I was like in the deep bass, too, because it's the early morning. Um, so <laughs> before we get into the show, uh, we of course have to mention the sponsors of the show. Small little tidbit. The show doesn't exist without sponsors. We've been doing, this is episode 145. We've been around for two years. We've been doing this for a long time for free. So this is why we talk about sponsors, because they make the show possible because we have to pay an editor. And there's a lot of hours that we put into the show. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. They're great. They send you cards on time and they're all great quality.
1: Yeah, we get a lot of cool testimonials on Twitter. I'm going to read one really quick. This is from Paul Vander Hayden, who is at Curaneer471 on Twitter. He says, guess who I'm brewing? And shows Brago and a green card I can't make out in this picture. Uh, it says, Card Kingdom coming in clutch with the free three-day shipping for game night tonight. Cards all look 100%. Nice. So, Paul, I'm glad you're happy. Make sure you use the affiliate link, everybody, so mm-hmm. that you are supporting the show. Um, The other way to support the show is to directly go to patreon.com slash command zone, and you can become a patron there. In fact, we dedicate uh, each episode to a different patron,
2: and this episode is Rasmus Lang Erickson. One of the coolest names I've seen in a while. Has three names, like me. Josh Lee Kwai. Mm -hmm. Which means (laughs) we can both be like assassins someday. My favorite was someone thought your name was Josh Lee, J-O-S-H-L-Y. Josh Lee Kwai. Oh, like Josh Lee's my first name? Yeah, Josh
1: Lee is your first name. It is not. Little known fact. Also, quai is not my last name. It's Lee Kwai. It's two words, one last name. I know. It's an Asian thing. It's weird. And that must cause you a lot of pain at like The DMV?
2: DMV. Yeah. It totally <laughs> Any does. kind of identification. I
1: mean the DMV is painful no matter what. Yeah. They're just a little bit more painful.
2: Anyway, patreon.com slash command zone. Um, you know, that's how our viewers have paid us back for put Josh, how many hours have you put into game nights this this next episode that just came out?
1: Oh Uh, well, I'm not done yet, but I'm guessing it's going to end up at around
2: 75 hours. 75 hours for a single video of editing. And if you guys can't spend three seconds to skip past the four minute mark and you're complaining in the comments, I don't know what you're doing with your life. This is free content. (laughs) I've been making YouTube videos for six years and people still complain about free content. It's like, guys, come on. Jimmy, Come on. Jimmy's salty about some of the comments. No, I've just seen it so many times and it's the same old argument and I always have to debate it. Anyway, this So those episode- of you who have skipped forward to this point, here we go, this episode is gonna be about. A new deck I brewed for, Game Nights Episode 3. It is Silas Wren, Seeker Adept, and Sidar Kondo of Jamura. We should probably say, if you haven't watched the new Game Nights episode, There will probably be
1: some spoilers in this episode, so you know you probably want to watch the Game Nights episode first, or if you don't care about such things,
2: just keep going. Yeah, so this is a partnered commander. Uh, Before we recorded the episode, Josh uh, emailed us all out and said, hey, if you guys have any partnered commanders, make sure you build them, because it is the new hot thing on the block. And I decided to address it by giving myself a challenge, which is build a deck without red. Jimmy, who are you? There were about... I probably countless numbers, I would say probably like 16 to 20 times at this point when I was brewing the deck where I stopped, looked at the whole list and went, I should just get rid of a color and add red. <laughs> You're like, it's too hard. I gave myself too hard of a challenge. And honestly, I'm still thinking about doing that. because <laughs> the this way, moment? Yeah, because the way I brewed this deck, there's literally three colors and then one splash for one card in green, which is the partner <laughs> commander. But the idea and the premise of the deck stays the same. Uh, there are a couple of cards that I was looking at when I decided to start brewing this, because I saw Silas Wren. And let's read the two real fast. Oh, yeah. So, Only one of them really matters, let's be honest. We'll read both, but this is the one that
1: matters. This one kind of matters. Well, okay, we'll get, we'll get to it. <laughs> so, Silas Ren, Kylo Ren, Seeker Adept, legendary artifact creature human. He's a 2-2, costs one uh, blue and a black, so three mana total. He's got Death Touch. And it says, whenever Silas Ren deals combat damage to a player, choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. Also has partner. Um, one thing to note is you have to cast the card. So once you do combat
2: damage to somebody, you don't get something for free, you just have access to casting the card as if it were in your hand. Right, so you may cast that card, um, and usually uh, this is great if you're trying to do lower CMC stuff. Silas is someone that comes out in turn three and can swing by turn four, sometimes a little earlier. So in general, uh, that was something I had to keep in mind. And the other card in the deck is Siddhar Kondo of Jamura. Two a green and a white for a 2-5 legendary creature human knight. He has flanking, haven't seen that in a while. Uh, this doesn't really come into play, but flanking says whenever a creature without flanking blocks this creature, the blocking creature gets minus one, minus one till end of the turn. So it's like an automatic debuff because this guy's just such a buff. Because no dude. one's going to have a
1: creature with flanking.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, the more important part of the text says creatures your opponent's control without flying or reach can't block creatures with power two or less. So basically, anything on the ground can't block smaller, we need two power guys. Um, He also has partner. Notably, this isn't an effect just for you. It affects the entire table, Um, which is kind of cool. You can still block, but they cannot. Right, it just affects your opponents, basically. Yeah, so I decided to build around these two uh, partner commanders because uh, Silas, I like, okay, I was like, cool, I want to use this ability, I want to get value off of it, and I finally stumbled upon... Well, Siddhar makes sense with Silas, too, right, Mm -hmm. because they're
1: like obviously you want Silas to connect. You want him to deal combat damage to somebody. And if you can get it in place in a game where somebody's like, well, I don't care, I'll block. That's a point. You know, just because it's got Death Touch. So Sidar can come out and make sure that Silas gets through.
2: Yeah, and it's great for later in the game when you have to recur one of your important artifacts just to be able to play Sidar and get that through. Uh, I also wanted to turn Sidar himself into a win condition, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. But two cards that I finally saw that I guess are kind of EDH staples I never really knew about was the Station Cycle. Uh, and so these are sort of very powerful artifacts that all have the ability to untap and they all have an ability that when you tap it, it does something. So the main card is salvaging station. It's a six drop artifact and you can tap it to return target non-creature artifact with converted mana cost one or less from your graveyard to play. And then the second line of text, whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, you may untap salvaging station. So any creature going into the graveyard untaps this thing. Then you can tap it to return a non-creature artifact with converted mana cost one or less to play. I think we've
1: learned that when you can untap something, you usually can figure out ways to do that as many times as you feel like. Correct. Yeah, that's a very powerful card. The other station is Blasting Station. It's three mana for an artifact. You can tap it and sacrifice a creature. Blasting Station deals one damage to target creature or player. And then whenever a creature comes into play, you may untap Blasting Station. I mean... It's not too difficult to see how these two things work together.
2: Yeah, so they definitely work together. The big part of these is the fact that a for Salvaging Station, the bigger one, uh, a creature has to be put into a graveyard, and for Blasting Station, a creature has to come into play to untap them. So I wanted to use these two to essentially... Uh, the plan for the deck was to ramp, tutor, and find combo pieces and establish one of several win conditions for the Blasting Stations or the Salvaging Station. Um, so... Obviously, this is the Silas Sidar Station deck. SSS, <laughs> Triple S. That's I right. I just that's named like, it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to keep it. Maybe that'll be the name of the episode, too. SSS deck. Everyone's like, what the heck that's is that? That's not very quick, baby. Yeah. It's like the best grade you can get in Dance Dance for Revolution, though. Oh, well. <laughs> Triple S. Um, so there are lots of ways obviously to go infinite with these stations because they untap, they have all sorts of really powerful things. The important thing to note is that being able to put something into play with the uh, salvaging station is one of the most important parts of making an infinite combo. So when I built the deck, um, we talked a little bit about this last time, but I tried to build wind conditions into it. Like I wrote the wind conditions down first and then went around building the deck. So the first main wind condition is using station infinite shenanigans. So either using blasting station to hit someone a billion times, Uh, or a salvaging station to create some kind of loop to drain everyone with some other cards I have in the deck. And another way to win, the B win condition, is insta-smack. So getting one creature that's pumped to infinity power and toughness that slips by by, with Siddhar Kondo, and then before damage happens, you pump it all the way up and just hit someone once. Uh, And the third win condition is... Insta-smack. Insta-smack, yeah, just one hit. Blah. Uh, And you can't block it. That's sort of why I wanted Siddhar with Silas as well. I was like, oh, that's cool. The only... (laughs) I'll talk about more of this later, but there's a lot of cards in red that are really good for insta-smack.
1: you you got to get that out of your head, man. you got to just pretend I,
2: red's not there. Like It's God, just eating not, at you. That's not possible. Just for now, and yeah. not forever. Thank God. <laughs> uh, the third win condition is energy. I have Etherworks Marvel in the deck, and because things are constantly going to the graveyard and being recurred, you can essentially gain infinite energy at a certain point and then just play your whole deck out. So there are a couple of different cards in the deck that can all win the game, but it requires a decent amount of setup to actually make it work. So, let's break down the stats. Stats. Man, we're so good at that now. Yeah. So, mana ramp. There's 14 ways to ramp mana in this deck. Um, I like it. But a lot of them are very different, so there's two sack outlets that, or three sack outlets that do it, the Krark Clan Ironworks, and then the two altars, Phyrexian and Ashnods. There is three different cards that untap artifacts, so they're not... It's not like strictly ramp, but for the most part, if you have these cards out, you are able to generate a lot more mana. And then there are two cards that either give all your cards Convoke or Inspire. Um, or not, sorry, Improvise. Improvise, yeah. Yeah, uh, so I called so them the... Inspiring Statuary is the new card from E3 Evolt that gives um, all your non-artifact spells Improvise. And then Chief Engineer mm-hmm. is the one that gives all your artifact spells Convoke. This is your, like,
1: favorite card, secretly. Chief Engineer red. It's not a red card, but uh, you get that on your side of the board more than anybody in our playgroup. In fact...
2: I think I played it in almost.
1: I can't really think of anybody else that like plays the card. The card's
2: amazing. Don't get me wrong. You'd think Craig would play this card for sure. Yeah, maybe in his
1: Memnarch deck. He doesn't have a ton of artifact-based decks though. So because he should. I don't know. Maybe infect artifacts doesn't work very good or something.
2: Yeah. Chief Engineer. For those that don't know, uh, one in the blue for a one-three Vidalkin Artificer. Artifact creatures, artifact spells you cast have Convoke. So essentially, your spells can help cast artifacts by tapping them to pay for one of the mana in the artifact.
1: In Game Nights, you had both Chief Engineer and Inspiring Statuary out, which basically meant that all the spells in your hand, you could tap different things to create extra mana for them. It was really kind of crazy. Like yeah. It gave you a whole lot of versatility for how you could, what you could play and how much
2: mana you had available for had different the different things. I had the option to play, I think, Kozilek on turn five or six, but decided not to for whatever reason. Couldn't. Might die. <laughs> might die, yeah. Yeah. Um, which uh, is sad because it was turn six, but, well... You, <laughs> we're not going to totally spoil game nights you do have to watch it yes please watch it um so (laughs) there are five different ways to draw cards in this deck um but the the point of the deck is that i don't actually need that much card draw because a lot of the card draw is tied to a one cmc artifact well also recursion right
1: recursion is sort of similar to card draw it's not the exact same but if you get a card out of your graveyard a back to your hand or into play that is like an additional card you wouldn't have otherwise had so it's it's I'd, I'd call it close to card draw, yeah. prov- provided you can
2: guarantee you get stuff in there. Yeah, and Silas Ren is one of the best ways of doing it. Um, there's almost always someone you can attack at the table that they don't want to block a 2-2 two, two death touch. Yeah. Um, and when you're just like, oh, I'm just playing this one drop artifact to get another land, people don't see it as a major threat to their life. So they're like, that's fine. I will save this giant creature that I need to block something else. I gotta
1: say, I didn't think Silas Wren was gonna be that great uh, when we looked at him and we sort of did our reviews, but it turns out that he's very, very good and the Death Touch is an underrated part of it because in a deck like this, which is sort of a combo deck, one of the things you, the resource you sort of need the most maybe is time Mm -hmm. and a commander that has death touch is a great way to buy time because people aren't going to come out and it's a three drop. So you're going to get it out early and you're going to be pretty safe from people attacking you because they're just not going to want to trade anything important for your commander. Cause they know you can cast it again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually cost you anything. So anything really good they've got is probably not coming at you and it's just a great defender. And then of course it does recur your stuff also, but the fact that at a certain point in the game Silas just sits there and stops the best stuff from coming at you it's, it's just turned out to be a lot better than I thought
2: it would be. Yeah we had the same effect with Atraxa
1: because yeah. she's
2: Vigilance Lifelink Death Touch yep. so she can you know ping you hit you and then sit there and no one wants to swing into you because you're happy to trade the Atraxa off if you don't need the proliferate triggers or whatever
1: Yeah it's yeah I think Death Touch on a commander is just something maybe I, I haven't rated cor- correctly up until now but I think <laughs> yeah. that's something
2: to pay attention to uh, single target removal, also a stats category that has a pretty low number, two, But again, a lot of these cards are either one-drop artifacts or they're cards that you can get back with Silas Wren. So the recursion of them means that you can consistently draw them a bunch throughout the game. Plus, well, you know, are yard. you counting... Like, sometimes... It's hard to sort of count that number
1: correctly. Like, uh, blasting station kind of can be single target removal because mm-hmm. it can ping stuff down and um, repeat
2: ping them over and over yeah, again. Yeah,
1: and so things like that maybe sort of count as like half of a single target because remo- you do have to get other pieces to really do that. But you know, if the deck's not getting its other pieces,
2: it's probably not going to win anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I play the card. I played like ether spell bomb like three or four times that game as well.
1: Is that a single target removal spell that you counted on there? Because th- that totally should count.
2: It is. It yeah. is one of the
1: two. <laughs> it's great with Silas Wren because yeah, like you said earlier the one drop artifacts in game nights one of the things jimmy was able to do was um get expedition map out very early and then just basically keep using it with because just attack with silas ran recast it use mm-hmm. it attack with and just pull the best lands out of his deck for like the
2: first you know four or five turns yeah if you're not under any pressure you can just you have the mana to cast a one drop and then holding up the extra two for expedition map isn't as huge as long as because you're playing the land so each you know turn three you play silas by that point you have the expedition map out you can crack it swing in play it again and have the mana to use it again
1: well and the first land you get is ancient tomb yeah now, all of a sudden you're <laughs> self-contained because that one land will be able to um activate expedition map so now it's not costing you two lands it's costing you one land and then the next land i think you got was like cross and verge that goes and gets you two more lands and mm-hmm. so it paid for itself after the first two
2: uses and now you're just ahead on the exchange every time you use it yeah, it's interesting. I didn't actually put any green ramp spells in, and Expedition Map and, and Silas Run was the only way I was really ramping in that game, outside of the sort of Convoke and Improvise cards as well.
1: Yeah, and but you were able to keep up, and uh, yeah, that, that, again, that combo, I think Josh, Kim, and I were like, geez, that's way better than I would <laughs> think it would be, because Expedition Map is good, for tutoring up specific lands, but mm-hmm. reusing it over and over is not something I would think that I would want to do because it's kind of expensive. It's three mana, but after you were like Ancient Tomb, oh crap, now you can just do it. Crosenburge, oh man. So now you're you actually Temple just got the gotta, False Gods. Yeah, just it's like, like over just get ahead
2: on land. Yeah, exactly. It, it That was a really good combo. Uh, and finally, Board Wipes, Four. So this is about a normal amount. Yeah. Uh, this maybe is slightly low, but yeah. I mean, you don't. I you know. I guess you can kind of count Cyclonic Rift as a board wipe in a way. So oh, maybe I always it's count closer. it. You didn't count it. I didn't count it. It's. Oh. I mean, it's a board reset to me. Um, board wipe.
1: <laughs> then nobody has stuff after you play
2: it. Well, you do? Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, it's so one-sided. Yeah. That's so why I, it's awesome? <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> can we ban it already? Anyway, Oh no, uh, what? <laughs> Unban things. Don't ban. Okay. Here. So it seems a little unbalanced, and again, this is all because of the salvaging and blasting station in Silas, and you're just essentially gaining a lot of value over the long term because of these cards. So some single target removal can actually count as, like, somewhat mass removal because you can use it so many times, Um, it's maybe slightly spread out over time, but I do like the fact that it's a lot more um, instant speed interaction than a sorcery speed board wipe. So it's a lot easier to say, like, don't do this, look at all these things I have on the board that can affect you, so why, you know. Stop it. Go do something else against someone else. Stop it. Go do something else. Okay, so let's talk about some of the infinite combos in the deck. Yay, everyone's favorite. Um, We're going to catch flack for the infinite combos. I purposely didn't put any two-card infinite combos in here, although I wouldn't be surprised. There probably are some on some. Yeah. yeah. Um, Let's start off with the salvaging station and blasting station together. So one of the best cards in the deck, like 100% is flare Husk. It's and pretty funny, but it is. It's very funny, it's a one drop artifact, it's an equipment, it's a living weapon, so when it enters the battlefield, you create a zero, zero black germ creature token and then this, it's attached to it and that creature gets plus one, plus one. So it's a one mana, one, one that can re-equip and then the germ dies. Um, it was really good in Modern Masters, it was a really great card. But the reason it's good in this deck is it costs one. So it comes out, but it also brings a creature with it. Well you need one drop um, artifacts specifically right yeah non-creature
1: artifacts because salvaging salvaging station station. yeah exactly so well yeah and that's the thing right non-creature artifact but flare husk tricks that system finding a loophole because flare husk is not a creature it's a living weapon but it creates a creature when it comes into play so you get a creature so now you're able to break this whole thing between the two where you know a creature going to the battlefield does something a Mm -hmm. creature going into the graveyard does to untap the other one and now we're in trouble so Unless bla- we're
2: Jimmy and then we're not in trouble. <laughs> You're not in trouble at yeah. all. So these, so if you have the Salvaging Station and the Blasting Station out and you play Flare Husk, what happens is that Flare Husk comes into play, a creature comes into play, and then Blasting Station will untap. That triggers on the stack. You can tap it to sacrifice the creature on Flare Husk to deal one damage to something. And then Salvaging Station says whenever a creature is put into a graver from play, you may untap Salvaging Station. So this triggers on the stack now. It's ready to untap. In response, you use something like Kark clan ironworks or any artifact uh, sack outlet to sack the artifact. And then the salvaging station. Remember, you sacked
1: the germ token to the blasting station. Mm -hmm. And then you sacked the flare husk to
2: the salvaging station.
1: No, wait, to the Kark clan ironworks. Yes,
2: to any uh, artifact sack outlet. So Um, now that this is in the graveyard, the salvaging station wants to untap. You tap it in response to that trigger. Then this comes back into play and everything resets. So it's a way to essentially get infinite damage or infinite mana. Yeah, because the blasting station can deal one damage every
1: mm-hmm. time. So you're basically untapping and tapping the blasting station, and the salvage station infinitely, and the blasting station's doing the murderous red cap thing and just bah, 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 bah.
2: Yeah, and the blasting station doesn't even need to be the blasting station, it can just be a creature sack outlet to essentially have you basically want to get the flare husk in the graveyard, um, and having like a Ashnod's Altar or a Phyrexian Altar means you get a ton of mana. Blasting Station is the infinite part of it that you can get infinite damage. It's a four card combo. It's not like super OP or broken, um, and it's pretty easy to see coming from like a literal mile away. I mean, if you see any either Blasting Station
1: or um, Salvaging Station, like if your opponent ever plays either one of those. You have to try and kill those things. Yeah, very quickly. Be- and exile if possible because they're
2: those the stations are just known for doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's one of the infinite combos. Another infinite combo will be salvaging station plus chromatic star plus March of the Machines and a Sack Outlet. So as you can tell these are a little a teeny bit. The thing is when convoluted. You ha- when you have more like this, so now all of a sudden
1: salvaging station needs, you know, four cards, but it needs really flare huskin blasting station or chromatic star in march of the machines because the Clan ironworks will will stand in for the sack yeah. outlet and so therefore
2: they're all interchangeable. It makes it
1: better because, it's, yeah, it's a four card combo, but there's two different ones, and the, some of the pieces are interchangeable, so it, it's really like, I need Salvaging Station and then some mix of these eight cards or so.
2: Yeah, so March of the Machines is a card that makes all of your uh, non-creature artifacts an artifact creature with power and toughness equal to its casting cost, its convert man cost. So Salvaging Station, if Chromatic star is in the graveyard, it, when it goes to the graveyard, it draws you a card. It will bring back this, the Chromatic Star. It becomes a creature when it's on the battlefield. And then you can sac it, and then the Salvaging Station is going to untap because it sees it as a creature, and then it's back in there. So you essentially just do this over and over again and draw infinite cards. Then you draw your Blasting Station eventually. Yeah, and the sac outlet will usually give you mana to eventually cast it, and you sort of set that up. Um, and then another one that the sort of insta-smack is Salvaging Station plus Arcbound Ravager plus Flayer Husk. So Arcbound Ravager is a a, an, a modern card. <laughs> it's, a car, it's a very good card in affinity. Yeah, it's a two-drop uh one-one essentially that you can sack an artifact to put the plus one plus one counter on it, and if you have Flare Husk out and Salvaging Station, you use this as the sack outlet. You keep bringing the Flare Husk back, and then you eventually get, fortunately, because when Flare Husk disappears, the zero-zero Germ Creature token. Also dies, but the way that tokens work is that they do actually go to the graveyard right. and they're seen there, and then the state-based actions take effect, and then it's gone from They'll existence.
1: They'll trigger like when a creature dies or goes to the graveyard effects, basically. Yeah. yeah. So this is that thing you were talking about where you attack with Arcbound Ravager, and because it's small and you have Cider Condo out, they can't block it, and then before damage, you start going crazy by sacking Flare Husk infinite amount of times, basically to grow the Arcbound Ravager in
2: arbitrary amount. And Insta Smack. I like Insta Smack. I do like Insta Smack. So you can combine oh, sh- any <laughs> you can combine any of these infinite combos with the Etherworks Marvel to generate infinite energy. And then you can combine any infinite mana and use a card, a new one called Universal Solvent. Mm-hmm. It's a one drop from uh, uh Ether. Ether Revolt mm-hmm. that you can pay seven to tap it and destroy target permanent. <laughs> so you can literally just destroy the entire board if you want to. Is it non land permanent or is it permanent? Just permanent. Holy crap. Yeah, it's pretty interesting.
1: Um so you can kind of do the um, the capsize thing, where yeah. It just yeah, you just Once get I rid of all. Size, the, you're, you're, yeah, I'm just you're saying, blowing like, everything up. They have the same effect. Once everything's back in everybody's hands, or nobody has anything, that's the same. Everyone's dead.
2: It's pretty pretty rough. <laughs> I looked up universal solvent on on Google. It turns out that that is actually just a thing. Yeah, universal solvent just blows up a permanent. It's pretty interesting, and it's a one drop artifact. Um, so. Again, there are a lot of cards like, we'll take Key, the Clock of Omens, and you can keep untapping Key Artifacts. And the, But the big thing is really like, these stations untap when other people do stuff. So, yeah. at the very least, even if you're not going infinite, you're gonna find a way to use them before it comes back to your turn.
1: And in Game Nights, I think you had a turn where, this is the kind of deck where you like, on somebody's end step or something, where like, okay, do this, sec that, put it here, untap these things, do that. That'll bring this back. Then I'll sack it. Then And you didn't even go infinite. You could just do that like eight or nine times. So it was like dry cards, bounce a couple of things. Okay, that's what I can do. And it, we were all just like, wait.
2: Someone needs to stop that this. That wasn't
1: infinite? No. Oh, crap. Because even without sort of going infinite, you were able to just yeah. do so much once you had even, a, you know, like half the combo assembled.
2: Unfortunately, your deck was not well equipped to fight this. No. Yeah. Yeah, sorry
1: everybody that voted for me to play Titania in that episode. Um, it just it wasn't a good choice for that that particular meta, but that that happens. It's fine. Turns out your vote did matter, and it's
2: it screwed Josh over. <laughs> the other over. one was,
1: you know what? It's true because my other I, I gave a choice between Rune and Titania, and Rune would be way better. Yeah, uh, in that particular Rune. meta, Rune,
2: Rune would have been very good. But. Yeah, you just do that infinite destroy uh, or exile, counter right. stuff, and also
1: it's a toolbox deck so i can constantly go find the enter the battlefield destroy artifact creatures
2: and things like that but whatever right we're fine we're
1: good it
2: was right. all good it was all good. speaking of we're all salty about something today um <laughs> okay let's go into the categories of the deck now that we've discussed how it goes infinite um the first is combo it off obviously these are the combo pieces by the way before we get into this i don't think i'm ever going to build a combo deck ever again it's too much head work <laughs> it just it's not my play style i challenge myself to do something in two different sort of categories and it's just, it's good. I learned that. I this don't is how love I feel it. about every combo deck I've ever built, which is that I
1: came up with these combos and all these synergies, and I was very excited, and then I played it and it worked, and then I was like, yeah, it didn't actually. It wasn't very fulfilling. It was like <laughs> yeah, the Kydell like inside. Yeah, it was like the <laughs> Kydell deck. How I just immediately took it apart after that game night, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Like it comboed off, and I made infinite mana, and I killed everybody, and I was like, it's just not that exciting once you do it because you're just like, yep, I, you know. So... I mean, some people really like it, and I I totally get it. But I, I'm I'm on I'm on your side of it. Well, all yeah. my favorite decks are
2: not combo decks. I mean, I like purposely tried to give it different. win. Like I want to kill some with Arcbound Ravager, right? With Sidar Kondo. That um, would have been sweet. Insta smack somebody. Yeah, it unfortunately didn't come around. The reason that red would be good in this position is that all the atogs are, oh, are in fact. Oh yeah. Plus, you
1: would want um, additional combat steps in a deck like that because otherwise yeah. you're just insta smacking one person and not just winning. <laughs> and then yeah. passing the turn. Yeah. Where everyone's and you're like, like, well, you're dead. I uh, hope you don't just,
2: kill me. <laughs> Did you guys just see him kill that one yeah. guy? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ah! <"Argh." laughs> Get um, him! So the comboed off category, obviously, both of the station, salvaging station, and blasting station, and then the three triple threat uh, sack outlet combo of Krark Clan Ironworks couldn't have made that hard to say, wizards. Ashnod's Altar and Phyrexian Altar. Krark Clan is this has gone way up in price since Brea come out yeah. came out because yeah. sacking an artifact to give you mana it's the only card that does it it gives you two generic mana it's incredibly powerful well astronaut's altar is just
1: one of the best cards in commander period so just having a second copy of that in if
2: you're playing an artifact deck is Mm -hmm. i mean every artifact deck wants that card yeah um and then there's march of the machines which is just one of those very silly cards where if you play that in a board wipe everyone's artifact just goes bye bye Um, the Clock of Omens, a card that you don't see too much of, even though I think it's another one of the most powerful artifacts you can play in the game. I'll read it. Sure. Clock of Omens,
1: four mana for an artifact. Tap two untapped artifacts you control to untap target artifact.
2: Yeah, so if you just have, for instance, an equipment on the battlefield, it's never going to tap itself. Yep. Um, or if you have Almost a like card- a spell bomb. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Inspiring Statuary itself. I mean, things that are... Doing other things also. I mean, there's also um, cards like Winter Orb. Mm. Uh, so being able to tap key artifacts, I think, is really interesting. And the reason I I almost made this into a stacks deck, just because you're able to do a lot more with your man than other oh, people God, are. Please don't do that for game nights. No, it'll take
1: the 75 hours to edit and make it into 125 hours. <laughs> so what you're saying is, I should totally <laughs> do it. <laughs>
2: you're gonna love it. <laughs> um, okay, so. Yeah, Those are well, the combo and, pieces. yeah, Clock of Omen works really well
1: with like, Voltaic Key, too. And mm-hmm. your deck is very much about the tapping and untapping of artifacts in general. Like the Blasting and Salvaging Station also have to do with tapping them. Like that's the reason you're doing all the stuff, really, is just to untap them. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, all right, let's talk about the station targets. So, this deck is filled with them. Um, obviously, there's a lot of different one mana artifacts in Magic's history. Uh, not all of them are as powerful as the other ones. Two of them are very similar, which is the Dispeller's Capsule and Ether Spellbomb. Didn't get to play Dispeller's Capsule in the game, but it's really good. The um, yeah, Ether
1: Spellbomb's the better one, though. This oh, I agree. This is a one-drop artifact. Um, you can pay a blue and sacrifice the Ether Spellbomb and return target creature to its owner's hand, so you unsummon something, or you can pay one and sacrifice it to draw a card. So, combining with the stations and Cider Con- or sorry, Silas Wren, uh, you can just. It's card draw, right? Did you count this in the card draw category yes, too? Yes. See, 100%. this is the, the thing we always talk about, right? Which is like, this counts as single target removal and it also counts as card draw in mm-hmm. this deck. So it's filling two categories, two of your main categories, and then also it combos with your... or. It synergizes with your main combo pieces. Like, this is probably one of the best cards in
2: the deck. Yep, that alongside Flare Husk are probably two of the best cards in the deck. Uh, Dispeller, actually, the whole Spell Bomb cycle I think is really interesting. I think people should take a closer look at those cards because they do give you a lot of flexibility. Were you sad you couldn't play the red one? Yes. It's not even that good. <laughs> uh, Dispeller's Capsule is another very good one drop artifact. It costs one white. Uh, it's two, and you can it's an artifact, and you can pay two and a white to tap it to dis, to sacrifice the capsule and destroy target artifact or enchantment. So this is another form of single target removal. Neither of them are on instance or sorceries, by the way. So that's sort of what the idea of the deck is there. Uh Lotus Bloom. Now, this is a card you don't really see much in uh, EDH, but the Salvaging Station says you can return a non-creature artifact with CMC one or less. This is sort of getting around the CMC in the same way the expertise cycle does, basically. Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, so it's Suspend three, so you can cast this from your hand uh, to Suspend land, and it has three time counters on it, and you take one off each upkeep, and when those go- are gone, you can finally cast it, and you can sac it to add three mana of any one color to your mana pool. So it's, it's just a Black Lotus with Suspend. Yeah, Which is pretty crazy, if you think about it. Turns out, still awesome. Yep. And especially with the salvaging station, because you can pop this into play, and it doesn't get suspended, so you just get a three-mana artifact that you can sack, have a go to the graveyard. Um, Unfortunately, with March of the Machines, you can't, because it just enters the battlefield and dies Dies. as a zero-zero. But this is still very powerful to be able to just instantly get three extra mana and ramp yourself, so uh, another just sort of key combo piece. Well, yeah, and if you're doing it over and over, you can just get infinite mana, or just a lot of mana. Yeah. Um this card is was very interesting.
1: This card you played and both Craig and I were like I just recognized the art from the old days, but I honestly didn't
2: remember what it did. Yeah. Ashnod's transmigrant. It's a one-drop artifact. Ding. You can tap it. Ding. <laughs> bing. bing. Uh, sacrifice the Ashnod's transmigrant. Put a plus one plus one counter on target non-artifact creature. That creature becomes an artifact in addition to its other types. So it like transforms something into everything you want it to be, which is an artifact creature. Because um, those are the two key things that trigger uh, the Salvaging Station and the Blasting Station, but it's a one-drop, so you can sack that. And when it comes back into play, when you play it again, you can make another thing into an artifact creature. Also, you have Memnark in the deck, mm-hmm. so you
1: can just use this to as a cheaper way to turn things into artifacts that Memnark can steal.
2: And that's something I didn't realize until it happened in the game. I was like, oh, thank you, Ashnod's <laughs> Transmogrant. I mean, spoiler alert: the thing he stole is pretty good yeah it wasn't a creature though. a pretty good card might have been a planeswalker might have been a planeswalker. <laughs> okay so obviously as a combo deck you have to play a lot of tutors um i know obviously this isn't everyone's favorite category to talk about and we usually don't include this on deck decks because it's like yeah you play the demonic tutor and good good for you uh in this case though the the mage cycle is finally complete i or
0: not it's, more complete. it's more complete. We're missing a
2: few CMCs in there, but we've got a lot of there's them. There's the Trinket, Trophy, and Treasure Mage. All three are creatures for two in the blue, and Trinket searches up a one CMC artifact. Trophy gets a three CMC artifact, and Treasure Mage gets a six or more, I believe, CMC artifact. So, obviously, uh, at the one-drop slot, there's a lot of stuff. At the three-drop slot, there's a lot of stuff. And at the six-drop stuff, drop, there's the salvaging station there's an important stuff very important stuff yeah yeah. the blasting station is three and salvaging station is six so obviously both of these cards are very important for those mages to search up or just another part of the combo or another piece to help you out expedition map is a tutor in this deck um i play very little non-basics so basically expedition map has a lot of targets the were of invention i mean expedition map could find a basic and that's it doesn't make any sense to do that but you could War of Invention is probably a card. I think um, a lot of decks should be playing.
1: Like I said, this card is even. I mean, I'm putting it in Mizzix. Yeah, and that's not an artifact deck. It this this card's going in a lot of decks. Yeah, yeah. It's in, from Ether Revolt. You want to read it? Yep. It is blue, 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 and X. Whoa! For an instant, it has improvised, so your artifacts can tap uh sorry sorry let me just read that your artifacts can help <laughs> cast this spell each artifact you tap after you're done activating mana abilities pays for one generic so if you pay three blue and then tap three of your artifacts you can go find search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost x or less put it onto the battlefield then shuffle your library so you court of calling a um, artifact out into place it's actually almost exactly court of calling but for artifacts and improvise is definitely not
2: quite as good as convoke but mm-hmm. uh, i mean it it's functionally court of calling for artifacts. Yeah, the big difference is improvise cannot pay for the colored part of a mana cost. Yeah. Um so I there's some criticism for this card being like, "Oh, blue blue blue, that's really hard to do." Uh, but the thing is if you're using your artifacts to pay for mana, then the blue 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 isn't that hard if you, you know, let's say you're playing the mystic is blue red. So almost all your lands that are dual lands will be able to tap for both. So you'll be able to get the blue, blue, blue because you're paying the X with land, that with artifacts that you'd otherwise be tapping lands that maybe you have the two, you know, be able to pay the blue with. It's an instant. It's an instant. It's
1: an instant. That's the thing I think that makes it. If this was a sorcery, then we'd all be like, eh. But it's an instant. And, and it drops instant, it onto the battlefield yeah, too. Yeah, instant gives you so much versatility and flexibility because you just, you draw go and you're in blue. So a lot of decks want to do that, especially Mizzix. And then you don't have to use it if the coast isn't clear, Mm -hmm. but if it's on the end step before your turn and you've still got that mana untapped because you didn't need to counter anything or respond to anything. Now you just sort of get your best artifact out onto the battlefield at basically no cost. The fact that it puts it on the battlefield, like you said, makes it just such a better thing than a regular tutor. I think, um, Especially yeah. in
2: a deck like this, that is just aiming to pop Poms. out as many artifacts as possible.
1: I, I don't think there's probably very many blue decks that don't have some really key artifacts anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. Like I said, I'll put it in Mizzix. It's not to combo off, it's just to go get Vidalcan Orrery, because that's one of the best cards in that deck. And yeah. every deck has, like, oh man, if I could. I would want to get this artif this one artifact every
2: game. So I love that card. I'm putting I'm putting it in a ton of decks. Yeah, I think people should not be dissuaded by the blue, blue, blue and the casting costs I think it's a lot easier. I mean, if you're in easier. a
1: five color deck, maybe you get you, you worry about it. But if yeah. you're maybe you some even, of the four color decks, but usually if you're running blue, you're running a lot of blue because a lot of the blue spells, like counter spells, mm-hmm. cost double blue. And the difference between triple blue and double blue is not that great. Yeah. I mean, I mean it is, but it's it's not for a spell like this where you're going to want to pay, like, nine mana total.
2: The only other color that asks usually of this severe casting cost would be black. Yeah, black is, yeah. And you guys can devoted. learn more about that in our Color Wheel series where we talk about why those exist. Like bing, that. bing. All right, sorry. Uh, another tutor that uh, you correctly removed immediately in the Game Nights episode was Kaldoltha Forgemaster. It's a five-drop artifact creature construct, three-five, and you can tap it to sacrifice three artifacts, and search your library for an artifact card, and put it onto the battlefield, and shuffle your library. So it can sack itself. It's also just a sack outlet for artifacts if you need it. Um, and the fact that it can grab any artifact, it's kind of like the Tinker, uh, the closest I have to a Tinker, at least in EDH. Well, it's legal. so Yeah, it's legal. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. that's a plus. Um, um, this card's super scary. Yeah, we, we were
1: like, we have to kill that right now. And we did, but then... Yeah, and I played two other cards I could find. Yeah, then you're like, well, I'll just play this one that goes and tutors my thing anyway. Dang it. Um, But yeah, this this card is... If anybody ever casts that card, you know they're going to use it to find the most degenerate thing, so, Mm -hmm. you know.
2: Yeah, I think the, I played Tezzeret the Seeker after you guys removed Kodoth
1: Forge Master. I think we stopped two tutors that turn somehow. I think we stopped Kodotha, then Force of Willed something
2: else, and you were like, okay, Tezzeret. We're like, dang it. Yeah, Craig almost, (laughs) I don't know if you have this in the episode, but Craig almost played the card that he needed to force. Yes, I actually had to tell him. (laughs) I'm like
1: looking, and and Craig's holding his cards like, so I can see them, which, you know, probably not technically legal, but he goes to play a card. I'm like, no, you need the blue card so you could use Force of Will he's like oh oh, yeah you didn't even say
2: that you're like no craig you don't want to do that and craig went oh yeah yeah, you're right you're right (laughs) extra cost of force of will um but yeah Tezzeret, three blue blue planeswalker his plus one you can untap up to two artifacts already pretty good and his minus x you can search for an artifact card with cmc x or less so you can do up to a four drop which is pretty intense this is uh
1: gotta be one of the better cards in the deck too because it synergizes so well with everything yeah it's in different situations, right? If you're already got some good stuff going on, the untap the artifacts is really good. And then if
2: not, he goes and helps you find the things so that you've got good stuff going on. Yeah. Um, of course there's the special ramp in the deck which is inspiring statuary and chief engineer we've already talked about this card i think inspiring statuary is a card that i that i would not be surprised to see pop up in a lot of decks it's interesting because i think it it does take the right deck right because if you have too many
1: artifacts it's not really going to improvise much because it it only casts your non-artifact spells but if you don't have enough artifacts then you can't really take advantage of the improvise. so the 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 deck has to sit somewhere in a nice place where there's a lot of artifacts but it's not completely artifacts.
2: Yeah, it's a 3 drop artifact that says non artifact spells you cast have improvise, so at the very least this can tap itself to cast a non artifact spell. So at the at its worst yeah, it's, a at, it's a 3 selective mana selective rock. rock, yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's not it's not the worst even at that stage. So if you have other ways of abusing it then
1: but in the decks cool. where it's good, it's amazingly good because it turns Ether Spellbomb and, you know... Yeah, all these other sort Clark of... Clark Clan Ironworks into equipment. Mana Rocks. Yeah. Like, that. once you have that, you're like, oh, crap. Because you
2: play that card and all of a sudden you gain, like, seven mana sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Chief Engineer equally is good. Uh, so this is the category that I don't usually put many cards in. You've got a lot in here. Yeah, it's called Save Your Stuff slash Get It Back. Something that happens very often with combo decks is they just get destroyed by cards like graveyard hate, just mass artifact removal, mass board wipes, anything. So there are a lot of ways uh, in the game, in white especially, another reason I wanted to play dark condo to get stuff back. And there are two versions of this. You want to read this guy? Yeah, Second Sunrise. The other one's Faith's Reward. Yeah.
1: They're very similar. So Second Sunrise is one white, white for an instant. Each player returns to play all artifact, creature enchantment, and land cards that were put into his or her graveyard from play
2: this turn. And then Faith's Reward is just you. Yeah. For a three and a white, you get to return to the battlefield all permanents that were put into the graveyard this turn. And it's all permanents. So I guess for Second Sunrise, wouldn't get your planeswalkers back. Yeah, it. it's really intense, honestly. Second Sunrise, I think the reason that it's really good is that cost three, it's an instant, and you do it at a time that would best opportunities yourself. If a board blight happens and then you play this, everyone kind of gets their stuff back, but... In, this, in the case that I used it, I was the one sacking everything. Nobody else had really lost anything. I think Josh Kim had like lost one thing. And I used this on my turn, actually, to get everything back. It was so much value. He's like, play a
1: million things, sack a million things. Okay, sack everything to play some more stuff. And then Second Sunrise, get everything out of my graveyard that I put there this turn. And we were just like, ah, crap. It felt pretty gross. It's funny because both Face Reward and Second Sunrise played a prominent role in um, yeah, the game nights, even though they weren't from the same deck.
2: Dun, dun, dun. Spoilers.
1: Oh, oh, this is a cool card. Paradoxical Outcome. Three and a blue for an instance. It says, return any number of target non-land, non-token permanents you control to their owner's hands, and then draw
2: a card for each card returned to your hand this way. So um, I guess you can save your stuff? You can save your stuff. You can also just use it on a turn to generate. Let's say you just generate a billion mana, and they bounce everything to your hand. Play it again. Play it all again, as well as draw like another 5 to 20 cards or
1: whatever. This was part of that... um, that combo and, and standard that people were trying to pull off for a minute with uh, what's that card where you if you, you have fifty life you pay oh
2: uh, etherflex reservoir
1: yeah and they're playing a bunch of zero cost artifacts yeah and bone then they bounce them stuff. all play them again like yeah and then and then hopefully combo you out yeah didn't work very good but I like that no that deck that was cool it was yeah. a cool
2: idea um and, and another card uh, that's come out recently so again like the reason i also kind of built this deck was just that ether vault and kaladesh were just gold mines for artifact based stuff i think with brea and with e- the kaladesh block we're gonna just
1: see a lot more artifact based decks uh, in everybody's meta for a little while because
2: yeah. yeah there's just so many good cards for it yeah uh finally there's scrap trawler uh, which is a 3-drop, three 3-2 three artifact creature construct from Aether Revolt. Whenever Scrap trawler or another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return to your hand, target artifact card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. So basically, everything above 1 is going to return you one of your 1-drops. Um, it's just a great way. This guy just sits out there himself, and when he dies, she dies, it dies, it also brings something back. Yeah, 2 or
1: 1. I think they did that so you can't go infinite with it, because you're always going to get something right. less, so you're always going to go down the chain. But yeah in a deck with a ton of artifacts too like if a five drop artifact dies and you get to get something four or less it's pretty awesome it is pretty awesome
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right so alternate win conditions i talked about drain earlier um i actually have two cards in here that will hopefully kill people if you're able to generate infinite mana and do infinite things but don't have like a blasting station or a way to draw your deck
1: also fairly new cards they're both standard Mm -hmm. legal right now um underhanded design is one in a black for an enchantment Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one generic mana. If you do, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. So obviously, Hmm. if you're continuously bouncing, uh, say, Flayer Husk, Mm -hmm. and you're sacrificing it to... National Yeah, get then you're time. getting the mana to pay for this, so then you're just going to drain everybody out. You can also pay one in a black and sacrifice Underhanded Designs and destroy target creature. You can only activate this ability if you control two or more artifacts. So hey, there's a single target removal removal spell. You've got three.
2: Yeah, actually, I should have put three in there.
1: Stats revised.
2: We did the same thing. Great. We're. I told you we're so good at the stats thing. Yeah, we. We're bad
1: at Wonderwall. We're good at stats.
2: Oh, gosh. (laughs) That's going on the resume. Uh, And the other drain card is Zulaport Cutthroat, one and a black for a 1-1. Whenever Zulaport Cutthroat or another creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So kind of similar to Blood Artist, but in this case, it's each opponent. Wizards has not been shy about printing that on a lot of cards recently Uh, because every time I do a two-headed giant for a pre-release, you're always like, wait. Oh, God, they're so good in two-headed giants. These both say each opponent. Like, all the cards say each opponent. So. Very cool. It's definitely something to look out for. I wonder for if they're doing CDs that on players. purpose
1: because remember they did the whole, um, what set was it where they designed the second set? Was it um, Oath of the Gatewatch? Uh-huh. It had like the surge mechanic or whatever. So And they literally designed it for Two-Headed Giant. So they might, and, and Sundays are often like Two-Headed Giant day now on release mm-hmm. weekend and pre-release weekend. So maybe they are doing that on purpose. Pretty So if you play a lot of Two-Headed Giant, because people do in Commander, yeah, um, then those are definitely cards to look at because they're 50% more powerful or sometimes 100% more powerful.
2: Yeah. Okay, finally, uh, there's Memnarka as an alternate win condition, too. Make infinite mana, just steal, steal everything, Everything, yeah. And uh, one other thing I want to add is all of the artifact lands are pretty good in this deck. Uh, yeah. Because you're able to sac them to stuff, and they come in untapped, like Seat of the synod, and you can just tap them for mana. And there are artifacts that are one mana or less. Mm-hmm. So they so can also get returned. With certain things, yeah. Yep, you can actually play them with Silas Renegain. I think own. you have to cast... Oh, you're right. You have to get this. Yeah, Silas can't. Sorry, Silas. You are not Crucible of Worlds. (laughs) Maybe next time. Maybe. he's. I mean, he's already way better than I thought. But if he was
1: Crucible, then we would have really been uh, like swinging a miss on our uh, evaluation. Yeah, seriously.
2: Okay. How does this deck play? There's a lot of maneuvering. There's a lot of slow building of resources over time before you try and sort of get, like Josh said, the one turn where you go like, okay, I'm going to try and win now. Can anyone stop me? Um, This deck does not play any counter spells, though. It is not looking to protect its combo in a lot of ways. The only way it's really trying to protect itself is with recurring all of the stuff back to your hand uh, so you're avoiding a a board wipe or just sort of saving a lot of permanence. Um, It has some board wipes in it, too. Do you have, like, Scourglass and stuff, I would assume, in there? I actually didn't play Scourglass in this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe I should. Maybe I should. not Well, either way, some board wipes. I think. Yeah. Uh, There's like merciless, merciless eviction. eviction. I remember you played that. Yeah. yeah. So you 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 want to have the big impact board wipes of anything, but yeah, it's interesting. You don't want to. Um, I, I at least I didn't want to just have force of will up every time I was about to combo off or whatever because that that doesn't really feel as exciting. <laughs> it's not was. as much as of a gamble yeah, yeah you, gotta, you gotta be gambling I'm telling you Silas Red, surprisingly it. good because of the death touch it
1: does help with the game plan so much
2: yeah I was gonna say I did it I played a red card I played gamble I did it no one <laughs> alright guys Jimmy the go metaphorical home. gamble yeah exactly um so, yeah, like, the, the whole point is, like, you want to have Aether Spellbomb spellers Capsule out to keep threats at bay, to sort of play a longer political game and not be too ham with your combo. Because as soon as you do it, then you're out of cards in hand, and if someone disrupts it, you're pretty much out of luck. Um, you have to really be careful. You have to avoid for graveyard hate. That's the one thing that just destroys this deck. Um, maybe we should play the Ley Line in here, so I can't be the target of spells or abilities. <laughs> Um but yeah slowly you're generating value over the long game with Silas Wren. He's so useful in this deck. Um and then you have a couple of other ways to win and you're just trying to sort of get to one of these uh and if one doesn't work out fortunately you can try and go for another one. So I think each game is a little different because you can decide okay this game I think I'm going to try and kill someone with the Insta smack. This game I'm going to try and do the blasting station or this game I'm going to try to do the Etherworks Marvel and play out my Eldrazi or whatever um so you don't this deck does not want to oppressively be like i'm going to be infinite on turn four or five every single time i wanted to have a little more play a little more flexibility it's definitely like a combo that happens later
1: it doesn't yeah. seem like the deck's even really capable of combo it probably through some like crazy draw you could probably do it on five or six but it, it seems more like a turn 10-ish you know if everything goes right type of combo
2: yeah yeah and if no one just goes uh counter foul
1: uh just right facts yeah (laughs) i mean cross and grip and stuff like that is going to give you issues because of the split second and whatnot but that's why you run cards like that because Mm of there's you know stuff like blasting station salvaging station yeah it's true i think one of the keys to this deck actually is playing out your pieces in the order that raises the least amount of alarm yeah so playing out blasting station salvaging station those are cards that like they make wah, 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 wah. they make the alarms go <laughs> off. Stations. So, They're yeah. like literally blasting out noise. So it's trying to figure out which of the pieces are going to seem the least threatening, you know, and then playing those first, so that on the turn, because you're just it's going to be tough to go like play twenty mana worth of stuff go off. You're going to mm-hmm. have to sneak a piece or two out and then go for the rest of it. So
2: yeah, it's it's an interesting deck to play. It's definitely one that I think. I may not, I'm not the hugest fan of, to be honest, because the combo aspect of it is, like you said, it's, it's, you do it and you're like, all right, cool. Shuffle up, I guess.
1: I just don't think we're combo players.
2: Yeah. Um, which
1: is funny because we get accused sometimes of being sort of too spiky. And I think the combo decks are generally the more spiky of decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like a lot of people do like that. And you don't, like, you don't have to build this deck thing the exact way that it's sort of trying to go infinite in fact when i say i don't like combo that doesn't mean my decks never go infinite it just means i usually don't build a deck that's trying to go infinite so you could build this deck in a way where maybe if you just took out some of the tutors where it's Mm -hmm. like it has a ton of synergy uh, i can do a lot of stuff it has a lot of play and then sometimes i do go infinite when i find the pieces but i you don't have to be like, tutor for all the
2: pieces. You could yeah. re-
1: replace a couple of those tutors or some other things. Maybe that's something you would you might try and make you like the deck more.
2: I'll probably try and do that. I mean, again, it's like one of those things where it's like you need to have win conditions, uh, and this deck was built to get to its win conditions, and this deck could just definitely just be built to, if, if it needs to, get there. Otherwise, try and win with more traditional means. Because mm-hmm. I can see a world where this deck is always just trying to k- kill you with commander damage with Silas Ren. It has a ton of value, too, so
1: it's just going to be, like, a deck that has play because it... It, it just, it's not going to run out of gas. It can keep yeah. getting its stuff back and it gets into these cool loops that aren't necessarily infinite where you can draw a bunch of cards with either spell bomb by just replaying it four times, not infinite times, you know?
2: So. Yeah, there's one turn where Sun Titan was heavily involved yep. in a very uh, sort of synergistic turn that did not win me the game. And bit. did not go infinite, but it was
1: like, yeah, I think you had like one card or zero cards and at the end of that, you had a full hand and your board was full and it was like a sweet turn, but it wasn't like in an infinite turn. And that's the kind of thing that, Like, I bet that turn was actually more fun than the turn where you won the game.
2: 100%. Yeah. Because the turn I won the game was like, okay, guys, this is how everyone dies. Um (laughs) Yeah, you're like, see this? Okay, then I do that. And we're like, okay, we're dying. Yeah, instead of being like, oh, boy, look at the things I can do. (laughs) 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 Yeah, this deck has the capability of vomiting your hand out onto the table, which is a very satisfying feeling in EDH. Um, And you're just, like, crossing your fingers and hoping no one plays a board wipe afterwards.
1: Yeah, that was... Well, it was in contention for the best single turn of that episode of Game Nights. But Josh Kim did have a single turn that was incredible, too. So, I don't know.
2: One of you. It wasn't me. I'll tell you that. (laughs) It wasn't Craig. Sorry, Craig. Sorry, Craig. It's fine. Craig, we played with Craig so many times. And there are episodes that we recorded that we haven't edited and released where Craig does win. Oh, yeah. Poor Craig. The one, yeah. He
1: he, he, He definitely won a game in one where we just didn't have time to edit that game in because we played three games that night and he crushed everybody crushed yeah and I was like it just didn't make the episode and I was like dude sorry but he does win just he hasn't won Uh, I feel bad now because I haven't put him on camera winning the next time Craig wins from here on out I will make sure that that goes on the episode nice he won't get on the cutting room floor (laughs) So don't play any stack decks because if he wins against the stack decks, that game is going to be like three hours long. That's
2: true. Yeah. I just don't like stacks anyway. I I do, but I won't play them on game nights. I mean, I'll, maybe I'll play like one stacks effect in my deck. It's interesting. It's always one of those balances again. Like like this deck, like how many tutors you put in, how many do you, how many of combo pieces do you put in? It's always a balance. Most
1: stack decks, the problem is how many win conditions did you put
2: in there? Because yeah. people <laughs> tend to crimp on that, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, you got us locked down. When do you kill us? He's just like, well, I'll hit you in the air with Derevi for for a for few th- yeah. for three uh, I need to do that seven more times okay pass turn ah! <laughs> by the way I'm the one that plays the every deck so you know, yeah yeah. I'm frustrated with myself all right to the listeners are you a combo player if you are how do you like to combo off in games this is something that it's a very sort of relatively new area of playing for me so I'll be very interested to see how other people treat combo how they deal with it and how they make it you know fun for them in their case you could either be a degenerate Infinite person, that's totally fine. Or maybe you do something with a little more play. Or maybe you do something that's you know X, Y, or Z. But let us know. It'd be very interested to know. Yeah, I think this is one of the divisive uh,
1: topics in our community. And you know, Jimmy and I, I think if you've listened to the show for a while, we. Don't like to tell people, like, it's right or it's wrong. We don't get into the morality of it at all. Like, if you like it, you should totally do it. And we're cool with people doing it and comboing off. But it is interesting to hear people's perspective on it. Yeah, like you said, I'm not typically a combo player as far as dedicating spots in my deck to finding combos. But, yeah, I have combos in my deck sometimes. Like, if you build synergy into your deck, you're going to have them. It's almost impossible not to. Yeah. Yeah, so. Anyway, all right. Make sure to go to cardkingdom.com slash zone. Use that affiliate link so they know we're the ones that sent you. They're our sponsor for the show. They're awesome. You want to order all of your cards there. We know that Modern Masters 3.
2: Oh, yeah. It's been announced. It's coming out in mid-March. By the time I think this episode releases, there will be about 20 days before the previews start for that.
1: Yeah. So you might not be able to pre, uh, pre-sell pre it yet, pre-buy it. What do you call it when you pre- pre-order? pre-order it? <laughs>
2: Jeez. Uh, you might be able to pre-order. Oh, listen, English is. Still How many something times have I'm you heard the words on. "pre-order" in your life, and you couldn't come up with it? There, that's great. It's
1: like my brain. It went happens two to other me options, all the time. and then yeah. I like pre-selling. When I sing "Wonderwall," for they're,
2: instance, they're pre-selling it. We're pre-ordering it. There you, there go. you go. Yeah. yeah
1: so yeah, nice. you might be able to pre-order it now. You might not, but it's something that you're going to want to do very soon. So just keep an eye on Card Kingdom because one of the things we heard over and over with Ether Revolt is that they got people their stuff so that they basically had it almost exactly when it came out like on Mm -hmm. that first weekend they were opening their product and for a lot of people that aren't really close to an lgs that's just getting it faster
2: than anybody else will get it to you yep and you know hey like like we said brea kaladesh ether revolt a lot of stuff around artifacts right now and those cards are slowly still going up um so if you find something that you think is a sweet sweet deal and that no one has picked up on yet like ashnod's (laughs) transmogrant go ahead and grab it cardkingdom.com slash command zone go on to card kingdom and it's no way i transfer where are they they sold out i know i probably shouldn't have said that <laughs> I, I need to go buy a billion now of those
1: 10 cent cards all right now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic all right i got one. Oh, sweet i have talked about this on the end step at least twice and i'm going to talk about it a third time because it's so awesome it's my single favorite piece of entertainment in the world oh yes And I'm not even joking, like movies, TV shows, and I love reading books. I've talked about books many times on The End Step, and yet this podcast, it's called Hardcore History, is my literal favorite piece of entertainment in the world. So there is a new episode of the show, and it's called The Destroyer of Worlds. Dan Carlin's the host. Listen, it's a history podcast, which makes it sound to a lot of people like something they wouldn't be interested in, but... You don't understand if you've never heard the show. It's really like a story podcast. And the stories he happens to be telling are about history. But the way that Dan does it is just insanely good. He's he, he structures everything so well. And the viewpoints that he gives you, you don't have to be a history buff or a historian to love it. I've listened to literally, I think this is like their 59th or 60th episode. I've listened to every single one besides the new one at least twice. Whoa. Like that's how good the show is. So hardcore history, I can't recommend it enough. It's my favorite thing in the world. Probably the only other podcast you listen to that much is Command Zone. The Command Zone, yeah. Because I listen to it <laughs> on the drive here every time we record so that I can berate myself for saying uh too much. Uh yeah. That's what I do. Uh uh-huh. or um the thing I used to say that I've cut out, but it's um
2: you know. You know. Yeah, I used to say that a lot. Interesting side note on that. The you know and the right Oh, God, I say right too much. That's my new one. Well, it's an interesting thing because it's something that my improv, my original improv coach in L.A. used to say, you know what I'm saying? After each of his sort of like, he would deliver like, this should be like this and this. You know what I'm saying? And what it does is it automatically makes the other person go, Yeah. Right. Or, uh-huh, and then in that moment of affirmation of saying yes to essentially the question they pose, they're like eight times more correct on the other side. So right has kind of that effect too. It's very subtle. It doesn't actually like change the fact if someone's right or not, and you can ultimately still disagree with the person. But in the moment in conversation, I found that it's, it's actually- It's like a subtle manipulative technique? Yeah, not even manipulative. I, I say this stuff a lot, just like asking a question at the end of a sentence because it continues the conversation or you know forces someone to make a, a decision point. Like in the games of Commander we play, because they can also go. Eh, I don't think so, you know. So it has a little bit of counterplay there as well. But you know, if you're being very positive and stuff, and like, yeah, yeah, so and so was like this, right? You if they catch you're right, all that energy, naturally your natural
1: inclination is to respond by at least nodding or being like, yeah, right. Like you just did. Yeah. I caught myself doing it. I was like, holy
2: crap, he just Jedi mind tricked me. So if you're having trouble in conversations, one of the easiest ways I think to smooth over a conversation is just like ask a question. Don't make it about yourself. If you're talking to someone about something, ask something and, and like let's say you're talking about a movie and you're just like, well, what did you think of it? Boom, done. You're having a conversation now. <laughs> you know, two other people that have conversations are Alex
1: Kessler and Ben Bateman. And they right. have conversations about the modern format on their podcast, The Masters of Modern, which you can find on collected.company. Right next to us, that's our new Magic Hub. You can also follow them on Twitter at the MMCast. That's them revving by on the motorcycle. They're like,
2: here we go, modern masters. Ben's like
1: on the motorcycle in his suit. In his suit, yeah. And he would look cool on a motorcycle in a suit, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I would look terrified on a motorcycle. Ben always looks cool. God, looks way Kessler, cooler Kessler, unfortunately, doesn't always look cool.
2: <laughs> Sorry. No, Kessler doesn't really care
1: either.
2: <laughs> um, our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. He has edited the video that you are watching right now on the channel, youtube.com slash the Command Zone podcast. It's where you can find all of our YouTube content, all of our video content, including the Game Nights episode that just came out. Make sure you guys check that out. It's on youtube.com slash thecommandzonepodcast.
1: Make sure you tell other people about Game Nights because we're trying to get the word out there. I think people, they know what the command zone is and... You know we've been around for a long time, and there may be a lot of people who are like, "Oh, that's not my thing," which I totally understand. But game night's such a separate thing; we want to make sure that they have a chance to try it, yeah. uh, try it out. So
2: definitely tell your friends about it, and hit that subscribe button. Yes, please do share it with people on Twitter and all that stuff. And also, if you guys, you know, we're only doing Commander right now, but we do have plans to expand it in the future. So Star Wars Destiny, maybe. Ooh, yeah, draft. Draft. Conspiracy. Ooh. Ooh. We may or may not be planning that. Maybe.
0: Spoiler alert. Maybe. All right.
2: And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the Living Card Animations on the videos of the podcast. Thanks, Jeffrey. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace.
0: Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at J.F. Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator.
2: Greetings, humans.
1: (laughs) Wonderwall.
2: (laughs) Still not working.
1: Oh, man. I'm so disappointed in us.